This is the Elite Mastermind Podcast, where we bring top professionals to help elevate your mind, money, and business. Here is your host, Vahid Chitsas. Good morning. Thank you for taking this Monday morning uh, time out of your, 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 your valuable schedule. I know that you, you train a lot of different people, but um, I, I told my team we're going to go do one more live with Matt, and I want to this time I want to record it and be able to go back and replay for a lot of other people because last time when we spoke, they, they, a lot of individuals had a lot of questions, and frankly, I wanted to have you on board so we could answer those questions. So let's do a short version, and then we'll do a long version too. Uh, tell us how, how long you've been uh, studying Napoleon Hill, thinking Grow Rich uh, materials, and how that has changed you so far. Uh, I've probably been studying it for, I've been studying it intimately probably for over the past five years, give or take, but Think and Grow Rich is actually one of the first personal development books, try this in English, personal development books that I was ever introduced to. Um, and funny enough, it was given to me, and like many of us, we kind of hold on to it for a while, hold on to it for a while, and you're like, I should read that, like everyone talks about it. And then finally one day, it was just like, I think it followed me around the house. Like literally, it just, I saw it in every corner and eventually I was like, you know what, I get it. So I read it and it's one of those that, I've read a lot of personal development books one time. This tends to be one I go back over and over. I completely agree with you. I, I had the same thing happen to me when they give, a lot of people go through a little bit of a, they, they need a little extra push to, to, to read the book. But once they read it, they're like, oh my God, I should have done it a long time ago. So what were two things, Matt, that you got out of the book immediately after you read the book? What popped up to you like, oh my God, this is what I need to do? Uh, just two things. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Hamad. I said the short version, man. You're taking it to the long version. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to well, share as many as you want, brother. Not a problem. The, the two principles that really stand out for me today, I think it depends on where someone is in their journey when they read the book. That's often why I read it multiple times, because I always get something else out of it. Uh, so what is really coming up for me recently are two specific things. One is persistence. And I'm not, I'm actually going in backwards order here, but it's persistence learning that, especially when you're pursuing something that is, a, that is a passion of yours that you're really called to do. You know, I find that a lot of people, uh, we assume that once we find our passion, that means it gets easier only to figure out that it's actually quite the opposite. It becomes like, not that life, it, it becomes less complicated, but it becomes more difficult. And the challenges aren't that you're on the wrong path, but Rather, it's calling you forward outside of a comfort zone daily, consistently, multiple times a day. And that's the part for people that, for all of us, it doesn't, I don't think there's any specialized human being that doesn't experience this when they you know, get into the work that they're meant to be doing. Um, so the persistence. And then the second one is specialized skill. You know, I think a lot of times when people talk about finding their purpose and what is my purpose and I don't know what it is. It's a conversation that I find a lot in my work. And what I, what I've realized is purpose. It's the same for every human being. Purpose itself is the same for every human being because purpose is service. That's what we're here to do. We're here to be in service of one another, right? I think what people are constantly trying to find is their platform or their specialized skill. Um, and I think the thing that, what I always try to do is navigate people into what I consider their gifts versus the skill conversation first, because 
oftentimes our gifts, the things that, are, that come so naturally to us that we think they're common sense, so we discredit them, you know, when right. in reality, that's what you've been given, that is your specialized skill, that is your platform to be in service, i.e. find purpose. So that's what I really try to do is help people get clear and own their, their gifts that they think are just common sense to everyone else, when in fact, it couldn't be further from the truth. Definitely. One of my mentors talked about that, uh, I want to say about a month ago, and he said that the more tools you learn, the more things you, you, you put more tools in your toolbox, mm -hmm. and then that adds up to your value. So when they want to pay you, they look and see how many different tools you have in your toolbox, and that's how you and I rate the, when we go to a mechanic shop, auto shop, or we go to a dentist or a doctor, you kind of look at their facilities, the amount of tools they got, the amount of equipments they got, but in distance is the amount of things that you are capable of doing and the specialized knowledge so matt tell us a little bit about what you do number one number two i'd like to know what is the common denominator between the clients that you help and serve what is the number one blockage what do you help people with so what i work with specifically is clarity uh and i work i've honed in i work with people in their 30s or approaching their 30s so that that age of 30 is the demographic i uh, focus on mostly and the reason being is 30 has this tendency to kind of wake people up to you know wanting a different life their priorities have shifted you know demands of life are a little different they're you know they start looking for more meaning versus you know distraction uh, so I really find that the 30s are uh, substantial when it comes to personal growth uh, and people really kind of know who they are they're figuring out who they are at that point uh, and then as far as what I help them with more than anything is quite, so first we get clear on what their gifts are specifically. What I, I learn a lot about who they are, what their conditioning is for my work. That's extremely important because that's really what you're battling. People may know exactly what it is that they want. They may be clear, crystal clear, but what they're really up against is their conditioning. And my main job to make it very simple is implementation. You know, as I, I'm a guy, I, I'm called a coach, but it's a guide. Like, you know, my clients are their own heroes. I'm just there to support when they feel like it's, they don't get it yet, or they're, they're making these massive transitions. And, you know, it, it affects many aspects of their life. You know, that was my experience. And I think that's what happens when you, if you really commit to what this book is about and what Napoleon's teachings really are, it doesn't just, you don't, you may pick it up because it says get rich and you think this is a business book, but you cannot implement these uh, principles and it not affect your entire life. Your relationships with your family changes, your spouse, yourself, obviously your business changes. Like you, there'll be many breakthroughs. And I think that's the part where a lot of people in my work, they're like, whoa. Okay, like this is affecting everything and they like it, but again, it's, it's a conflict to their conditioning. So that's the biggest thing I do. You become rich internally. It's not about monetary. So it's, it's going to affect everything else. But that's why, I mean, it's kind of a good thing that a lot of people pick it up because they think they want to be rich. So indirectly, it will help those people to see that money is just a tool. Money is not everything. Yeah. But, you know, 
I, I was telling one of my friends, you know, I'd rather cry in a Ferrari versus a Toyota Corolla. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, if, if I'm having a bad day, might as well be a Lambo yeah. <laughs> that I'm having a bad day in, you know. In, you know, in a Malibu, you know, big, nice view. You know, I could be upset, but that could, you know, the breeze of the ocean might help it a little bit. You know, I'm, but... Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, being on both sides of that struggle, you know, I think many of us have a story of starting from, from the ground up. I know that's very much mine. I've been on both sides of, you know, broke and rich, essentially. Um, Which one taught you the most? Having money or not having money? Oh, taught me the most? Um, Which phase were you learning the most? Did you say, now I have the money, let me learn more? Or I don't have the money, let me learn a lot more? Um, in my case, being broke taught me the most. And it taught me, the mo it taught me very different things. So, but as far as the most, like, because when I was, the reason why I taught me the most is because my desire, as it talks about faith, visualization, like I knew exactly where I wanted to go. And what I realized is my way no longer worked. And it didn't work for other people. It didn't work for me, which forced me to really go all in. Like when I first started my business, Fahid, one of the main things that I had to do, like I had to cut expenses because things were getting tight you know i was i was i understood the human side of things but i didn't understand the entrepreneurial business side of things and those are different conversations um and i literally went to my land i had my own apartment here in hollywood went to my landlord and we negotiated a deal to get me out of my lease so that i could cut the largest expense so i literally chose to let go of my home in order for me to pursue what it is i knew i was here to do like it had become that real to me um, and it was those moments that taught me the most because it wasn't about whether or not I had money or not, but what it did teach me is so many people use money as this, um, object of, um, I, I can't do it unless I have, right? Like it's a big thing and I get it. And it's a very real, um, you don't need more money. You just need a better plan. And that's exactly it. And that's what I learned. So what it taught me was even with money, like I became a better, um, not just steward, but like money became a, a guide. It allowed me to get tools. It was, I really, I knew it wasn't the thing. So even with like, you, now that I have money and I have options to go do stuff, it's like, okay, but what is the best option here? Like, I, it's not just throw money at it and it works. Like I learned that money isn't the thing. Money is just the tool. So, God, I could talk to you for the rest of your day. <laughs> Matt, that's exactly the same thing. Let me tell you this story. You're going to love this. We have the same, it's, it's the same story all over the place. Don't think you're the only one, brother. This is all over the place where we have to cut back. I tell you what happened. About four years ago, I was doing a project. And, you know, I was, I was doing some coding and some programming. Mm -hmm. So I needed a really, really fast laptop and i i kept looking around and the the one that i wanted to get was like thirty five hundred dollars and i'm like i don't know if i want to spend the money i don't know how much you know longer we're going to do this project i know it's for right now so i went online i went on craigslist i found this guy who worked for big companies and he would get their laptops the really really high quality laptops he would rebuild them put them back together you know put the new software and everything else so i bought one off of him for 750 bucks mm -hmm. so he asked me he goes do you know how much this thing costs that i'm giving you this deal i was like listen homie i know this thing costs a lot of money a couple of grand but you know you give him a deal i give him cash and everything else 
So I picked it up from his apartment. So this was like four years ago, right? Mm -hmm. So I called him last week. I told my guys, I said, listen, for, for editing and the new coding that I'm doing with Instagram and different things with the algorithm, I need a fast computer. So I called this guy up again. I'm like, hey, remember me? I did this, this. He remembered me because I drove to him. It was really late at night after office. I went there. You know what's the funniest thing he said, man? He goes, Laid, I know you. You're working on a new project and you're on a budget. You're trying to save money and I know that's why you call me. Because I know you bought a new Surface and yeah. you didn't call me for that, but I know you're working <laughs> on a new project. I said, you know what? I'm doing it within the budget, same thing that I did four years ago. So I already picked up two, new, two used laptops from him this week. Super, super fast laptops, man. Yeah. So it's not that you need the money. The money is there. I just want to do it within a budget so I can come back and say, hey, listen, with this much money, we were able to do this. Imagine if you can throw fuel at it, more money. How much more could it be? I could have got picked up the $3,000 laptop. It wouldn't have been a big deal. My wife would have probably given me a little bit of a dirty look, but that would have been the end of that, right? right. But I'm doing it within a budget, and it, it taught me how to be resourceful. Go on Craigslist, talk to a few people, negotiate, learn all that. But if I would have just gone to the, you know, the 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 little laptop store in the mall and picked it up, I wouldn't have learned anything. My negotiation skills. Oh, let me tell you something. Hopefully, he's not watching this video. <laughs> four years ago, four years ago, I bought that laptop for seven hundred fifty bucks. Yeah. This month, I went to him. I bought two. I got two of them for eight hundred bucks. So your negotiating skills have gotten better. So my negotiation skills has gone up big time, man. So I was like, listen, I'm coming. With, I'm getting to. So, and then, listen, it's Christmas time, holiday season. I took advantage of that. He wants to do with them. You know, he wants to do other things for his family. It, it worked out. It was good. He's happy. I'm happy. He, as a matter of fact, called me last night. He's like, how are the laptops? Is everything good? Let me know if you need more. So I'm like, I'm going to send you more people. So yeah. that's sometimes you got to cut back. Yeah. And this project that we're working on, it's going to cost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. But man, Matt, am I excited about that? That burning desire is coming, brother. So let's, let's go back to you. Uh -huh. Give me your best sales pitch as a coach. Why people should rethink and grow rich. I Sell think, it to uh, me. Why? First thing that comes to mind, it'll do everything you're afraid it will. It'll change your life. I think that's a, a num number one thing. Like, if you really read it, you can't walk out of that book or walk away from that book without taking responsibility for something in your life. And I, I say something, I'm vague, because everyone is going to get something different. Right. You know, I think he, you know what really got me about this book that was interesting? Now, now we're getting deep, Matt. I know. Now you're thinking, now it's coming up. So you know how, I mean, we've read 100 business books, we've gone to the lectures, you know, many people have the business degrees on stuff, and it's, it's all worthy. But it was fascinating to me that Napoleon, he brought in not just human psychology, but biology into his understanding of business. And if you look, I forget which principle it is, I haven't pulled it up here, um, but the transmutation of sexual power. I think chapter 13. Chapter 13, yeah. So the thing that was interesting to me about that is, you know, that can be a very taboo topic in a lot of people. When I say taboo, it's just kind of like, whoa, what did you just say? But it's, it couldn't be more powerful in our everyday lives. And the fact that Napoleon understood that and knew how to approach that topic, that biological 
uh, need that we all have as human beings and use it to the advantage of fulfilling your purpose, fulfilling a business, like being in service of others. Um, what, that was the way he's doing something different. It wasn't just that, but that was the one that really stood out to me that, holy shit, this guy, he's not just teaching, you know, the, the one, two, threes of negotiation that everyone else is kind of teaching in a different way, but rather he's tapped into something that is far more um, foundational than what I think others are doing. And I think that's the beauty in his work is he, he found how to help people find purpose in, in more ways than just money. Like you said, the think and grow rich, none of that says think and get rich, right? Like think, it never says overnight. It's a rich. personal development, it's the growth. That, yeah. That's why that word is there, definitely. He doesn't it's, say, it's a, and, doesn't and say Matt, you brought up the good point. It's, 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 I mean, I wasn't there, so I can't speak on this, but I'm pretty sure if we go back in the history and study it, we could, we could find those 500 people that he interviewed with. I am pretty sure a lot of successful people back then, which majority of them were men mm -hmm. that were running the entrepreneurship world back then when our economy was flourishing and we were producing a lot, you know, we were doing a lot of manufacturing, Henry Ford, you know, all of these different people that all the gurus that were, were back then, you know, being innovators were predominantly male. Mm -hmm. And that's why that chapter is so powerful because you know, all the principles that Napoleon Hill talks about were common denominators why people were successful, also not successful. Mm -hmm. So I wonder what those conversations were and how much they respected Napoleon Hill's work or, or, or Carnegie's, you know, recommendation that they opened up to Hill and they talked about how their sexual energy mm -hmm. could transmute into gold. And I mean, think about it. You and I, when we meet each other for the first time, are we going to talk about sex? Mm -hmm. Probably we're not going to talk about that. That's just something that's private. You know, money and sex, you know, is private. Mm -hmm. But people do talk about sex more than they talk about their money, yeah. which I think they should be talking about their money more than they should be talking about sex. Mm -hmm. But those conversations, like, what kind of environment did it have to be? And how awkward of conversation would have been for him to learn from all these successful people and then kind of summarize and say, listen, holy crap, these men don't become successful before age 50 because they're only thinking with their biology, if I could say that, yeah. and not their, their brain power and channeling that sexual energy. So to me, it's a, it's a, it's a big... Uh, it's a big eye-opener that a, that a writer could go and have these conversations. I mean, think about it. I come to you and I'm like, Matt, I want to talk about sex. How do you channel your sex energy, you know, with your girlfriend mm -hmm. in, in business? I, I don't think that opening is going to get me to do an interview with you. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, this guy's psycho. Yeah, it's going to be a different <laughs> conversation. But that's the thing. I think what he was really tapping into as well is, is the conversation of everything is energy. You know, when we talk about money, you know, currency, the – Currencies have changed over our generations, right? It's not always been this green bill that we get, you know, that we hand one another. Like currency, you know, in our settlers days was completely different. Uh, but no matter what it was. But Matt, do you know why they call it currency? I don't. You don't? No, I'm curious. Um, back in the days yeah. when the merchants would come from the ocean, uh -huh. they would come and do transaction, uh -huh. right? They would come and the current 
brought them to the bay. That's why they call it the bank. The bank is the, the, the sides of the river that they came in or the shores that they came in. That's why the current would make all the merchant and the money come through. That's why they call it currency. That's why they call it merchant. You know, so that's why all of these, that's why they call it the banks. It was the, the bank of the rivers that they would pull into where they would do the, you know, the, the I send you a video that tells you all that's the awesome. maritime language that we use today. That's why they call it currency. It, because the current brought in the money and the merchants. That's amazing. And again, I think, and I'm going to have to sit with that one. The so current is that. energy. The waves are energy. Energy brings you over there. So if, if there was no movement, you, know, you wouldn't get there. So you, you're either creating with your propellers at the, at the, at, for the ship to do, but you're creating that current, and that's how it's ringing. But I got a good video. I didn't know that. No, Four or five years ago, one of my students sent me a video and said, you know, we're in financial services. Do you know why they call them banks? And I'm like, because you go to the bank. I mean, it's just a word. That they, he's like, no, 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 it's, it's the bank. So, I mean, he, the video has a better explanation than what I kind of butchered it. I kind of give you the short version, but the video is good. But go ahead, you were saying. That's awesome. No, so one of the things that I do is we talk, like everything is energy. Like, and if you look up, um, and this is something I think Napoleon talks about, uh, variously throughout the, the book, which is the 12 universal laws, like, you know, which are the rules. Like, if you look at it, they're taught in every single religious belief. They're taught in everything. Like the universe has these laws that you, it's kind of like the law of gravity. Like you just can't deny it. Like quantum physics says, these are how the world works. And I find that one, well, one of them is um, vibration and frequency. So those are two different ones, but it's talking about the energy. Like everything is energy. And when you start looking at your life as, okay, everything is energy, like the sexual energy, like all, everything is energetic. And when people talk about money, this was my story. Like I dealing with the conditioning of, you know, kind of growing up in a, I grew up on a farm in the, in the Midwest and, you know, money was always tight and that kind of thing. So my relationship with money was, I was on a very low frequency. Like, you know, so that's all I understood. That's all I knew. But to, if you, when people really want to level up, it's not about the, just the tools. It's about understanding how to raise your energy, your vibration to match because it's there. Like we live in Los Angeles. Like people can't walk around here and say money doesn't exist, right? It's, it's, it's an abundance. I think there's too much life. money here. I think there's too much. Listen, Taft High School. If anybody is in LA and you don't know where Taft High School is, Google Taft High School. I live right behind Taft High School. You don't need to do anything. It's just an experiment you could do on your own. At 3 p.m., they let the school, you know, open up. They open the gates, and everybody pull out their car. Just go check out what are these punk 16, 17, 18-year-old kids are driving. I am embarrassed to drive my 7 Series around the school because it's probably the crappiest car you'll probably see there. You, I've seen Bentleys there. I've seen Rolls Royce there. I've seen Lambos there. I see some tricked-out Mercedes. I mean, I see cars, and I'm like... These are 18, 19. You should have seen my first car. My first car, Matt, was 20 bucks. I bought yeah. my first car for less than 20 bucks. It took me three days to fix it, to get it running. That's yeah. how I started, man. And these guys are driving brand new Porsches, brand new this. So th there's abundance of money. Just get on the freeway and just look at all the new cars. There's no, there's no shortage of money. Whoever says economy is bad is probably not driving on the freeway. They probably work to, uh, to, to work. They, they, they walk to, the, to work. If they get on the freeway, all I see is brand new cars, man. So it's, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. I, you, 
And that contradicts the belief that the, the market isn't good, the value isn't there, the money's not there. Like it's somewhere like, no, it's, it's leveling up your frequency to meet where that money is. And, and one of the experiments I do, as you know, I host a lot of workshops. And um, one of the experiments I do to prove energy is like, if I were to hand you $1 right now, you feel a certain kind of way, right? Like $1, okay, cool. If I were to hand you a $100 bill, would you say you feel different? Like the paper's the same, right? The values, it's the exact same thing. It's the one, one piece of paper in each hand. The energy is completely different. So just that experiment, people are like, oh, like, yeah, like $100 brings a different energy than $1. And if you're operating a $1 energy and you're desiring a, a million dollar life, that's the disconnect that people get so like frustrated with. And that's where I say I, I, my work is in the conditioning. Like I unpack the conditioning because we're conditioned from, you know, birth to roughly our thirties, most of us for survival. How do I survive? Like that's literally what we're learning how to do. And from 30 on, we have this shift of like, wait a minute, I want to thrive. Like there's more to this life. Like, what is it? It's gotta be more than this. So you're in that switch of, and that's exactly what I feel Napoleon's work is about, is that shift, survival to thriving. So that's where I meet people in that middle. Like when they're going through that, what now? Or that holy, like, wait a minute. They start to question everything. That's, that is where I get in. I love it. I love who it. am I? By, by, by that age, everybody's asking, who am I? Where am I going? What's, the, what's my life purpose? Can I do more? Is it just paying bills? Or can I impact other people's lives? And when they ask that, those questions, they start seeking mentors and coaches. So yep. I love it. Matt, I love our interviews every time we do it, brother. I feel like I learn more from you every time I do it. So listen, I'm going to give you a call this afternoon. Okay. Um, our mastermind group is meeting up. I want to invite you to the dinner. Uh, we got a couple of individuals coming together from LA. So I'm going to give you a call to see what your schedule uh, allows for us around what day we should do it. We're going to do a couple of dinners together, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And we're, we got this thing recorded. We're going to post it and we're going to send you a copy. Awesome, Thank you man. so much for putting this time. I'm not done with you, Matt. We're going to do more videos, sir. Be looking on the DMs. <laughs> you got it. Thank you so Take much care, for being here. Take care. Make sure to follow us on our Instagram at Elite Mastermind, our website, myelitemastermind.com, and YouTube at youtube.com slash Elite Mastermind channel.